quick PSA for our listeners who are U.S. citizens. The 2020 election season is now upon us, and it is so important that you make your voice be heard. Please go to www.vote.org to find out all voting information you might need, and be sure to vote early. Again, that website is www.vote.org. Plan your vote and enjoy the show. Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Open Channel, a Star Trek community podcast. I'm your host, Christopher D. Littlefield, and with me today is Andrew Lloyd, co-host of Random Trek Review, one of the new shows freshly adopted by Sweet Media. Andrew, what's up? Nothing. I'm just excited to talk some Star Trek. I, uh, I have to admit that I don't really have a lot of Trek fans in my, you know, real life. So uh, anytime that I can, you know, go out into the internet world and talk a little bit of Star Trek, it's uh, always a good time. Oh, nice. Well, I'm glad you're here. What is your show about? Random uh, Trek review. Tell us a little bit. Well, it is the most difficult uh, Star Trek game show that uh, is going today. So it is a, a buddy of mine, Matt and I, we basically challenge each other each week to who knows the most Trek trivia and we do it at random. So uh, we you know, pull out an episode each week and we kind of challenge to see who remembers the most from that particular episode, from every series, the animated series, everything under the sun. And then we kind of rate each other and we talk about the episode a little bit and review it as well. But, uh, I mean, the fun of the show really is in kind of the game show element of uh, who remembers most. He he usually remembers more than me, but uh, on occasion I, uh, I can get lucky and draw something uh, nice and easy. Okay, well, that sounds really cool. Listeners, check out that show when you get a chance. I know you've got a big backlog too, so there's lots of episodes to listen to. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, we are up. We're almost at episode 60, which is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of one of those things. Time flies, right? It's just uh, you start doing something and the next thing you know, it's 50 and soon it'll be 100. And then one day, maybe like 600 and what is it? 680 now that we're up to for all the Star Trek episodes ever. Yeah. Wow. Well, this is lucky number 13 for open channel. Okay. Well, nice. I mean, hopefully I'm not the jinx or the, uh, you know, Friday the 13th, uh, you know, one who comes in and, and foobars it. But uh, I, yeah, I'm I'm really excited because I kind of feel like, I mean, I'm just short of kind of the halfway mark of this huge Star Trek fall where we get lower decks and then we get into Discovery and I kind of am lucky enough to be right on the cusp of both. So I'm pretty jazzed. Yeah. Well, uh, it's really good to have you on today. And today we're discussing your comments on Crisis Point, the ninth episode of Lower Deck Season 1. Open Channel is dedicated to facilitating the fan conversation about every single brand new Trek episode as it drops and other topics we decide to talk about along the way. To join the conversation on Facebook, type The Nexus into the search field and join Holosuite Media's listeners group. Follow us on Twitter at Open Channel Trek. I'll post an Open Channel conversation thread when each new episode drops. Leave your comments, questions, concerns, and theories, and they just might get read on the air. Keep in mind that comments may be edited for time. All right, Andrew, let's get going. Yeah, let's get going. I guess I get the first uh, tweet here from Twitter. It's from uh, Rob Vaughn, and he said, 
That was so fun, I absolutely loved it. I think they covered every movie in just 25 minutes, and that flyby was just fantastic. Some top-notch animation. So what are your thoughts there? I was actually thinking that, did they get every single movie, or was it just kind of, you know, the best hits? I didn't see every single movie, but there could be little tiny Easter eggs that are in there that I just missed, because I've only seen the episode once again. Yeah, I, I only watched it once myself. I mean, obviously the big ones were the motion picture and... Generations. Generations. There was uh, kind of like some Search for Spock stuff in there. And then I yeah. kind of feel like there was maybe more... Like, I think they tried to make like some theme stuff there with the with the lens flares, I think they're called, and, and stuff. Uh-huh. That's kind of like the JJ-verse, right? Yeah. Um, and then I feel like kind of the, the, the big scaffold fight is kind of reminiscent of nemesis and insurrection so mm. it kind of ties in the the tng movies as well so you know what i'm sure that if you went and went through these other kind of writers that they literally would probably put at least something from every movie yeah well patrick carlin says i think we have a new contender for most metatrek moment i don't want to do a movie that's okay you were kind of a zon to be honest you probably weren't gonna make the final cut who's zon exactly I'm, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in the same camp. I had to actually look that up. Um, this is like a super deep cut. Like, I guess, remember that... Uh... I don't know what this is from. Oh, and I okay. don't know if I pronounced that correctly. Is it Zahn? Yeah, no, I think you're right on. So I think that um, essentially when the original series ended, Gene Roddenberry started doing uh, some like mock-ups for a thing that was going to be called Phase 2. Oh, yeah, of course. There, there was also um, talk that they were going to do kind of like a... Uh, you know, Starfleet Academy and everything like that. And I guess essentially uh, they weren't going to have Spock, but they were going to have a character that was essentially the same thing. And it was going to be Zahn. And it's kind of like a new Coke kind of thing where everybody hated it. And it's, you know, been left in the broom closet. So I I think that's what that joke is about. But I'm not going to lie. I had to look it up myself. (laughs) Okay. I would definitely say, Patrick, that that was the most Metatrek moment for sure. Definitely. Definitely. Good comment. Uh, All right, next up is Dan Gunther. He said, so much to unpack with this one. Long, lingering tour of the outside of the ship, James Horner-esque score, a mention of Zahn, of all things, and Lens Flare. Lens Flare? Lens Flare! I had so much fun watching this episode. So, um, yeah, this is the thing that really stuck out to me was the the motion picture pieces, right? Yeah, Uh, and the score, totally. Oh, 100%, yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess... If you think about it, the Next Generation score they took from the motion picture, right? So it's mm-hmm. kind of like they, they got a two-for-one there. Uh, but yeah, this is... I think this was probably the funniest part of the, the episode for me anyway, was that long overkill, uh, you know, like let's call it like 2001 Space Odyssey kind of, uh, you know, adoring of the ship. Uh, so yeah, that was probably the funniest thing and everybody crying and everything. Um, I really loved that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this show, uh, you know, I was kind of worried that it was going to be kind of, you know, too silly or too Rick and Morty ish. Or, I mean, I, I had a lot of kind of reservations before it came out, but man, do they ever just scratch you where you itch? Like every episode, they really, really just, they find that Star Trek itch and they just get it, that perfect scratch. And I find that, <laughs> Uh, man, is it ever good. And this is the kind of stuff, you know, like this is for Star Trek fans. 
like oh, goofing yeah. on the motion picture of all things. I mean, I don't think that it's really remembered or, or loved by a lot of kind of casual fans, but it's kind of had a resurgence amongst the fandom. So, I mean, to put something like that in is just, oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. I thought it was great. And Dan, thanks for commenting. I have missed your live shows for the entirety of Lower Decks, except for the season finale. I'm going to come and hang out in your YouTube channel on Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Kurtrat's Productions on YouTube. I'll be there. I'm going to check it out this week. Nice. Yeah, I, I didn't even know this was a thing, but I, maybe I should get in. This is like a, another kind of community thing, right? Like everybody can join and comment as the episode airs kind of thing. Yeah, so Dan and Brandy talk about the latest episode live on video on YouTube. Oh, okay. And then there are a whole bunch of people in the chat and they comment and Dan and Brandy read people's comments and discuss the episode and it's a lot of fun. Cool. I mean, better late than never. It's hard to believe this is the season finale. I know. Coming up. It's so sad, but I would be sad if I didn't have Discovery True. right that's... after it. So I'm okay. Indeed, yes. That's that's kind of the carrot, right? Is that once this one ends, we get into uh the main event, let's call it. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. Janessa Keyharda says Rutherford is the most wholesome part of this show. Yeah, he is. His gushing over Billups was perfect for him. And now I'm wondering what Billups' backstory is. He looked so sad at the end. Andrew, he did look really sad at the end. He did, yeah. There was Um, a sad, morose, melancholy, like, regretful of something, maybe. Yeah, I, I feel like one of the things that is really impressive with this show is that they're laying the groundwork for kind of future stuff. Like I could almost see in season two or season three, we find a little bit of a backstory on Billups and we learn why he's, you know, the way that he is and, you know, whatever, whatever led him to kind of maybe just, you know, find comfort in warp drive, uh, you know, tinkering and things like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like the characters are a lot deeper than I was expecting. I was not, I kind of went into the show thinking it was just going to be kind of, you know, your family guy, Simpsons, Futurama, kind of like jokes, jokes, jokes. But right. they do, they do really try to make each person kind of have a certain kind of feel. And the the Rutherford wholesome, you know, like I didn't think I was really going to love that. But then as the episodes kind of go, it's like each person has something that you love about them, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think they're doing a great job with the with the characterizations, are still meaningful and deep, but it's still so, so fun and hilarious. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's one of those shows, I mean, like, I think that a lot of people, you know, you watch Star Trek and you kind of think, oh, they should have done this different, or this character should have did that or said that, but this is the one Star Trek show that I can honestly say that I couldn't do it any better. I watch it each week and it's like, oh, that was perfect. Like, it's, it's kind of sneakily becoming one of my favorite Star Trek shows, even though it couldn't really exist without all the other ones, if that makes sense, yeah. you know, like it's it's a weird thing, but yeah, it is. Uh, it's slowly sneaking up in my kind of favorite series. Cool, that's that's awesome. All right, let's uh, jump on to uh, Captain Pikachu, which was on Twitter. He said the shade at past Trek's portrayal of mental health, the movie tropes, the ship beauty shots. The aspect ratio change, the credits and the signatures, the lens flares, all wrapped around a great story exploring Mariner's character, did so much in 25 minutes. Uh, Now, that's an interesting one, actually, because this is another thing that I had never thought about 
I'm a child of the 80s and everything like that. But um, the throwing the shade on the mental health, did you pick up on this when you watched the episode? Like, did you, uh, you know, is this something that, you know, kind of sparked your, your interest or did, did you kind of get caught off guard by that? I, I didn't get caught off guard by it, but I did catch, I, I, it was subtle to me at first, but yeah, I can see it totally. Uh, by the way, Captain Pikachu is a she, but oh, you, know, you, would, you wouldn't know that by just a, yeah, by just a Pike, Twitter right? handle. Yeah. Um, it, it, it doesn't surprise me that there was, that that was there. I guess like, so I didn't really realize, but when the next generation came out and they put Counselor Troy on the ship, it was like very 80s, right? This was kind of maybe the beginning of when mental health became something that people were aware of and it was starting to become more and more mainstream and things like that. And I guess maybe because I was a kid at the time and then by the time I was older, I, I just never really put those two pieces together. Like by the time I actually sat down and thought about it it was like oh that makes sense to have a counselor on a ship where you've got you know a thousand people and things like that uh but then yeah so again they're 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 not just tying into the episodes but also kind of the the behind the scenes stuff as well and you know the the lore if you will right like it's they've just done so many little things i mean the aspect ratio thing i don't even know that i get that like is oh i didn't notice that yeah, like I'm, I'm assuming that there was like the movies were in a different ratio than the shows or something, and and they changed it when they went into the holodeck or something. But mm. again, it's oh, just so yeah. many little things that are, you know, I feel like it's probably the most rewatchable series. Oh, for sure. Because as you go back and watch them, you get all these little bits and pieces. Oh yeah, definitely. Noe Santos says justice for Shempo. Totally loved the grainy film feeling to the holodeck scenes. Brought me back to my time as a movie theater tech in high school. Okay, a couple of things here, Noe. The Shempo thing was so hilarious. What'd you <laughs> think of that, Andrew? Uh, well, that was actually one that I knew because um, that's like from the Three Stooges, right? I guess. Right. Uh, the person who played Shemp, I think, did he pass away or he left? He died, yes. So in 1955, he died suddenly of a heart attack. Right, and then they replaced him, and it was kind of never the same, or it was never really, I don't know, like, he never really kind of got to the same level. So in this one, where Boimler doesn't want to be part of it, so then they get the Shempo to replace him, and of course he's just like the sniveling, and, and he's, you know so ridiculous and everything else i uh he's like yeah. gimp gimp boimler to me yeah yeah basically right but the original term is fake shemp and it's somebody who appears in a film as a replacement for another actor or person so since okay. the actor who played shemp uh died they they had to get somebody else to come in and film the other scenes yeah, and I feel like this is like something that happens on occasion, but it's one of those ones that I mean, like I remember when John Candy died and they were doing Wagons East. I think they just oh. tried to use old footage, mm-hmm. but then there was there's some scenes where you see the back of his head and it's like obviously not him, or hmm. or you know, I mean, it, he has a beard in one scene and then the next scene it's shaved and then he's got the beard again because they had to kind of use earlier footage to to kind of to make it go through. But I think the Shemp thing is is like what you're saying, where they literally just replace them and try to not right. they try to just ignore. 
that it ever happened. I feel like it probably happens in TV series well, maybe it's, more frequently. It's forbidden under Screen Actors Guild contracts now. Oh, okay. Largely because of a lawsuit filed by Crispin Glover following his replacement by Jeffrey Weissman in right. Back to the Future Part 2. Right. Yes, that is, an, that is another classic example where they replaced them. So, yeah, the more uh, you know. The more you know, yeah. And special shout out to Brandy Jacola who told me to look up the term fake shemp. Fake shemp, yeah. I'm sure that, you know what, there could probably be a whole podcast on all the times that it has uh, has occurred. And uh, it's kind of too bad. Yeah, we're never going to get that again unless it's on an independent film, I suppose, because they've yeah uh, they've put that rule in. But I think it's really cool uh, film history, though. Yeah, it is. And I feel it's kind of like um, these little, uh, what are these called? Euphemisms or, or sayings or whatever, like jump the shark. You yeah. know, they always use that for the example of when a TV show kind of goes too far. Goes off the deep it, end, goes too and far. And it goes yeah. back to happy days when the fawns literally oh, water yeah. skis over a shark. And it was kind of like, oh, yeah, that was the end of the show after, right, they, after right. they did that, right? So these kind of little things. And I and this is, again, I, I think that, um, you know, Family Guy obviously is probably the king of doing these little callbacks and, and the, the fast forwards and the really like nuance jokes that you really need to have a good sense of you know movie history tv history to get but i don't know i, I kind of like it in here too you know it's just that little i don't know and again if you don't even if you don't know what it is you go you look it up you learn something and, and you're kind of smarter for it afterwards right yeah i really liked shampo i didn't want him to see, i didn't want to lose him that way <laughs> he gets killed but no way i love that you were a movie theater tech in high school that's super cool yeah that is cool too all right, let's move on. Karen Chuplis. That was a 27-minute movie. Loved all the callbacks. Literally guffawed out loud through the extravagant ship reveal. But the music was wonderful there, too. Favorite line? Godspeed, you crazy beepers. <laughs> Devana has the best lines. Even the visual jokes were great. Oh, Tana, Tana. Oh, sorry. Tana has the best lines. Even the visual jokes were great. I loved when they added the real change smudge and then put an old film patina over it. So much more, but safe to say I really enjoyed this one. So what is an old film patina? Speaking of things you need to look up. I'm going to look it up. Because I do not. I mean, I guess maybe that's the like the end credits that they did, maybe. Okay, well, a patina is a usually green film formed naturally on copper and bronze by long exposure or artificially as by acids and often valued aesthetically for its color that's not a superficial covering what is a patina in film i have no oh my clue. god karen <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, well it, it looks like it's some kind of outer layer maybe it's like the little film layers that appear on it right like i guess they were trying to make it um feel like the motion picture i'm assuming is kind of I where guess that, so. that section was yeah like the um, little chemically looking film right on it. yeah yeah okay well you somebody's know what gonna i correct us somebody's yeah i feel like the comments are going to be all next week like you idiots the a film yeah. patina is this thing um but uh yeah i mean i can't argue with anything that she she says here um it really did feel a little bit more kind of epic than the first eight episodes like i know it's it's kind of goofing on the movies and everything but um it really did feel longer than 27 minutes it felt like a full movie um and i felt like uh you know all the music and all the little things that they did really made it feel more epic is that how you felt about it i do yeah i think it was it was definitely the most epic 
episode thus far. Yeah, and uh, so Tana is the is the doctor, right? The yes. cat. Um, yes. Do they ever call her that, or is it yeah? All... They say Tana. They do. Okay. Um. Because yeah, it, that's another one, right? So Tana, and then um, there's Devana as well, right? Which, which is Tendi. Um. Now, do you think that Tana has the best lines out of yes. all the characters, or do you think yes. that? Okay, I love them. Okay, but the I best of the great. best. Uh yeah. Oh okay. <laughs> well, You're they're right just on one-liners. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know what? And it's kind of one of those things where it's like less is more, right? She only has maybe like a couple of lines per episode, but they're always like a plus. And uh, she she drops the f bomb a lot, which yeah. I appreciate. Yeah, I do appreciate how surly she is. She kind of um like we've never really had a doctor that I mean I guess the Forest Kelly and and McCoy was kind of surly, but this is almost like. To the maximum. Like, I don't know that her bedside manner would have actually allowed her to graduate Starfleet Academy. Yeah. It's like McCoy and Pulaski mixed with a little <laughs> yeah. bit of, like, feral cat. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's how you get uh, Tana. Yeah. I think yeah. that, uh, yeah. And I, the one thing I love about the show as well is that the uh, bridge officer characters, they're sprinkled in just enough that we know about them we know like a lot about them but it never just turns into you know the main crew show it's almost they go out of their way to kind of make sure that you always know that like this is the lower decks they're the most important and right the the main crew is like they're those guys are lame those guys always take all the credit everything like that i love that that's kind of like a running theme through the season yeah it's like a real subtle writing thing that they're doing about keeping a little bit of air of that kind of superiority i wouldn't say superiority complex but they're an air of removal from everybody else yeah and i think that it's i mean it's it opens up too for like in the future having more episodes where you learn little bits and pieces about about them like they're not kind of blowing the you know blowing the wad season one like i feel like we just are scratching the surface of all these characters and we're already through the first season Definitely, yeah. Joshua DeVries says, There was so much about this one that I adored. The James Horner musical homages made me smile, and Rutherford's comment about transporters in movies was outstanding. My one issue was Tana's bleeped-out comment as Rutherford and Billups walked away. It sounded like the bleeped-out word was a homophobic slur, which really didn't sit well with me, even though she says it in a positive way. Now, I may just have misheard it. You did, Joshua. And she actually said, those crazy fuckers, which is fine. That's totally what she said, Joshua. So thanks for your concern, but there's no way that they would ever write that in. (laughs) But it sounded like she used another word, and I don't know how I feel about that word showing up in Star Trek. Yeah, absolutely not. It It wasn't that, but yeah. I'm happy to hear what others think about this, as it may have just been me misinterpreting. The word was bleeped out, after all. Yeah, so Tana says, you know, look like a fucking scratching post or you know you crazy fuckers and stuff like that she's 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 she drops the f-bomb she she likes it and i like it too obviously that's why i've said it so many times now (laughs) you know what is really interesting is that in lower decks i have absolutely no problem with it love it when the characters use it it's always funny and and it fits and everything else but i hate it in Picard and, Dis- and you Discovery. You do. Yeah, I'm one of those people where I, I think maybe I just need to, you know, get out of like my old man rocker chair and just kind of like join the, you know, the new age or, or whatever it might be. But for some reason, 
the first few times in Discovery and in Picard, it, it felt like a little force to me almost or it, it felt like it didn't fit maybe just because i'm just so not used to it um but here it feels like it, it fits a lot better and i'm not exactly sure why exactly i like it here and don't like it there but um yeah what are you, are you like it in i mean i know you're a huge discovery fan so you're yeah. obviously not going to badmouth it there but in just in terms oh, of no i'll using be critical it. of things i don't like in right. discovery everything yeah i i'm not a i'm not you know i don't hold everything at a godlike level i'll I'll criticize stuff i don't like and your thoughts on the swearing in discovery well for here in lower decks we don't hear it it's just censored every true. time so right. we don't really have the full effect but we know what they're saying right in discovery doesn't bother me really it was a shock at first but i like it now okay upon subsequent rewatches i haven't gone back and rewatched picard but that the picard one bothered me and i don't okay, know so... if it's because it was Picard that was being, you know, they were throwing the fucks around at him. Right. Or or what. But I think that even Patrick Stewart was a little bit taken aback when he saw it in the script. Yeah, like, I feel like one of the things that, I mean, I know that in, you know, I mean, they even mention it in um, Voyage Home, right? When they're on the bus. Oh. And Kirk says, oh, you know, the, the colorful language was, was you know, this was the, the way that it was of the time. Uh, I almost wish that, you know, if Discovery had started, you know, just in the future rather than kind of in the era that it was, it would have been kind of an interesting thing to kind of show that, you know, as times got worse or like as things changed, like swearing was reintroduced back into the language um, mm. after like a period of time. Um, I think that'd be kind of an interesting thing to kind of look at um, as it is. I'm not a huge, huge canon person, but yeah, it doesn't sit with me. And here it's, I don't know, it, it almost, it just, it works for me because it's not really the Enterprise. It's not really the main ship. It's kind of the yeah. lower level people. And it's, I mean, I kind of feel like that's real life, you know? Like, I don't think that uh, yeah. the white collar people are swearing in business meetings and things like that. But maybe the blue collar factory worker guys are. And I know that's not true at all. That's oh, totally, no, that's uh, not true at all. That's not true at all. But I just think that that's kind of the way that you know television would would show it as being you know perhaps yeah but there's also you know different people speak different ways you know what what is a horrible swear word to somebody is like nothing to somebody else yeah that's true actually and that's one of the things that i think that i would really like to see uh in in star trek because i mean as you know like depending on where you go in the world different things are are, are considered to be foul right so like in right. english all of the swear words are generally like sexual right fuck ass you know all these types of things they're like sexual words but then right. i've heard that if you go to other places the the swearing is different like sometimes it could just be like you know like putting somebody in like a weird situation, like would be like a horrible swear word or, right. you know, sometimes like uh, I think in more Eastern culture, it could be like number based and things like that. So I think it'd be kind of interesting to see, you know, Klingon swear words or Ferengi swear words or, or, you know, and, and like maybe kind of dive into their meaning, right? Like I could envision Ferengi swear words being about like losing profit and stuff. Like, yeah. I think that would be kind of a cool little thing to look at actually. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. And I feel like, was there anything else? Josh had a lot of stuff to say in this one. But, um, I mean, I guess the the one thing that has come up a couple of times that we haven't talked about is James Horner. Um, did you feel that, uh, you know, did, did you feel that it was very James Horner-esque? Uh, oh, yeah. And I mean... Yeah, 
Yeah. I, Dan had Dan Gunther mentioned that too, definitely. Yeah, I feel like uh it's one of those things where, you know, to the to the average fan, you probably would just think it sounded cool, right? Or maybe you'd say, right. Oh, it's Oh, it just sounded epic. Right. Yeah. But then to kind of like the real, you know, nerdy fans are like, Oh, it's just like the motion picture. It's just like this, it's uh-huh. just like that, which um yeah, it's really cool. Uh do you think that if you put the subtitles on that the they're still bleeped, or do you think that they put the full word in. I think that it's probably bleeped. I don't know. I have not watched any of the Lower Decks episodes with subtitles yet. Yeah, I don't usually do it. But if like something like this, especially like if it was something that kind of upset me, I would like go and put the subtitles on to see if it actually was what I thought it was. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Probably not. It probably would just be either blank or it'd be like a black bar or something maybe. Yeah, I don't know. All right, I guess the next one is uh, the next one is mine, and it is uh, Paloma Bennett. After Picard's signature phrase, make it so, my second favorite captain saying is, warp me. Captain Freeman was super badass this episode, even though it was just a simulation of her. Leonardo da Vinci in the holodeck reminds me of Captain Janeway. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think that Leonardo da Vinci was like the best character they ever did as a holodeck character, but <laughs> I'm a big Voyager fan, so I I was gobbling that up. Uh, did you uh, appreciate da Vinci dropping in? I did. I liked seeing him. It was kind of random, which I really like, because obviously this is another deep cut. If you're not familiar with the few times that we saw da Vinci in Voyager... You're not going to know what's going on, but I thought it, it it just was so random and funny and it seemed to match the tone of the series really well. Yeah. And I think the same thing could be said of like warp me. I, I yeah. don't, it's warp me. It's, it's just, it's so <laughs> ridiculous. Um, but I mean, by the same token, it's, you know, does every captain need a unique let's go phrase? You know what I mean? Like when you graduate, Starfleet Academy and you get your captain's credentials is the last test like coming up with one that nobody else has come up with um I I I like this because it almost is kind of goofing on on that thing that we have seen you know over the last I feel like yeah I mean ever since the Picard one they've always tried to you know try to give everybody something to say I I like it I think it's funny and Don Lewis, who plays Captain Freeman, is just so great. I I think she's she's hilarious. Yeah, I feel like this is an episode too where everybody is is kind of a badass in a way. Uh, I think that because it's in the holodeck and it's it's you know the one time in ever that the safeties actually worked, so they can be shooting and blasting people, and there's right. not really any risk of anybody getting injured. Uh, you know, you get to see Ransom; he runs in and he's blasting people, and you know, Tendy and Rutherford kind of get bl- brought into it. You've got Freeman and Mariner. Like, I just kind of feel like this is, yeah. I mean, if they were gonna do a movie, this is what you do, right? You amp everything up to eleven. And everybody just starts fighting. And I like, too, that they did it on the holodeck. So it didn't have, like, I mean, I love the TNG movies. But, you know, when you have, like, Captain Picard, like, you know, wearing a tank top and, like, bare knuckle fighting somebody, it was always kind of like, uh. But you do it in the holodeck and then it kind of makes it, like, more realistic in a way. I don't know. Does that make sense? I guess so. I didn't. I like, I like Picard in the, in the, in the sleeveless vest yeah (laughs) yeah it's just i guess the thing with with the with the tng movies was that 
it just maybe didn't fit with like what we always saw on the TV show, you know, like oh. Picard was always the the big speeches and all and the not diplomacy. always, not always, I guess, but I he felt could throw like, down. True, again, I guess I don't know. There was just always something about the movies where there was just something lacking, or not even that it was lacking, but it was almost just like you could tell that the producers were like sitting around a table, and it was like, all right, guys, it's been fifteen minutes since we've had like a big fight, like. Let's get Riker in here. He can fight a monster in Nemesis or or whatever the case may well, be. It's a movie. No, you exactly. Know, <laughs> it's kind of it's a weird thing for me because I'm trying to kind of like complain about the TNG movies, but then say that this show did it really awesome. So it's kind right. of like I'm I'm kind of uh, you know hedging my bets, but I feel like yeah they they just perfectly encapsulated that feeling in a, in a, in their kind of like little movie thing. Yeah, they sure did. And Stuart McIlwain, which I, I still am not sure if it's McIlwain or McIlwain. I know that Brandy said it right many episodes ago, so please correct me again, Stuart. It's good to hear from you. He says, Finally glad to address head-on the elephant in the room, Mariner's chip on her shoulder. <laughs> Loved the flyby of the Cerritos, recognizing that the ship is as much part of the crew as the cast, something I think Discovery and the Kelvinverse hasn't fully appreciated. Loved the opening credits in the holodeck program, and I did think the lens flares on the bridge was a nice touch, although I'm glad it didn't last long. Tendi is my favorite of the Lower Deckers, and I thought that she had a lovely interplay with Mariner about her Orion heritage. Yeah, I liked that too, Stuart. Rutherford was brilliant as ever. Even when he was playing a villain, his innate goodness shone through and couldn't be contained. I think he's a little bit in love with the chief engineer. I loved how he thought he was a total badass when he was staring into space eating a soup at the end. I really enjoy Freeman as well. She's not that bad a captain. Warp me was great. The signatures at the end of the program made me smile. I've thought of this most episodes in this run. But this was the best one yet. McMahon keeps raising the bar each week. Sad that next week is the season finale. Okay, Stuart, I kind of get, like, the little crush from Rutherford on the chief engineer, too. That occurred to me as well. Like, I think he's a little bit in love with him, too. Yeah, I think that they were doing it intentionally, but it's almost more of, like, an admiration just because uh, Billups is so good at being an engineer. Uh, I feel like it's one of those things that they've been really consistent with with Rutherford is that he loves engineering. Right. And anybody who's good at it is kind of like a pedestal above, which uh, I think is, is it's been a very kind of cool through line throughout the uh, throughout the season. Yeah, he's very emotionally connected to to his, you know, ship. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I'm kind of curious to get your take on that, because they also said that, you know, the the crew as well as the show itself seems to really love the Cerritos. They spend a lot of time really, you know, kind of. Uh, either you know talking it up or or defending it or in this one you know going about and actually you know really kind of showing how much the crew loves it but then they, he also mentioned that in discovery as well as the calibers that he didn't think that they did that as well what are your thoughts on that i i think i agree with well okay I think I agree with the kelvinverse probably not as much discovery it seems like they love the ship a little bit more but also, I think that what they are 
showing in the writing of Lower Decks is really the audience's love for the ships and how we right. have emotional attachments to the ships. Like, I really love the Excelsior and I love the Senjo. And I, you know, I think that they're kind of, they're kind of giving us, showing us that love to, to acknowledge that we also have these emotional connections to the ship. You know, ev- people love the D. Right. Yeah, I mean, there, I mean, they, you you hear stories about people, you know, crying when the Enterprise gets blown up, uh, right. you know, either in Generations or when the, you know the original Enterprise gets blown up. Um, and but then you know, in the Kelvin verse, it's almost kind of like what I was saying in the last one, where you know, they, they it almost felt like they were blowing it up every every movie, right? Or like it was in yeah. absolute peril every time. I think Discovery is one of those shows where uh, it's kind of a love for the ship but i almost kind of think that they would do well to give us a couple of flybys of discovery because as much as you know when it first came out everybody was kind of like "Eh, i'm not sure about this ship i think the fandom has has kind of taken to it but the one thing that i would really like is kind of to see it at warp more often and i Hmm. would like to see episodes either start or, or kind of finish with the actual ship kind of driving away or, or, or driving into some place uh, because that's kind of a, a classic trek, right? Um, I think that, uh, yeah, that would maybe go a long way for people to kind of maybe have that same connection that you have with, you know, TNG and things. But the big difference between Discovery and those shows was those shows had commercials, right? So every time you came back from the commercial, you kind of had to show the exterior of the ship so that everybody would know, like, oh, we're on the ship, we're not on a planet. But now, mm. with, because Discovery is kind of more serialized, I don't think they feel the need to do it. But I feel they should do it, because then, you know, we would kind of have that love for it, you know? Yeah, I wouldn't complain of seeing more of that. I'd love it. Yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting, it's kind of an interesting uh, an interesting thought. Some other stuff that he's got here, um, just, again, that Orion Heritage thing we didn't oh, really talk about yet. Oh, that was cool. Um but yeah, uh, this is uh, yeah, this is interesting. We've seen the Orions a bunch, right? Um, actually, the last episode of RTR, we had the Pirates of Orion from the animated mm-hmm. series for a little plug. Uh, but yeah, we saw them in the Menagerie. They showed up in Enterprise. Uh, we've seen them a handful of times. They've always been shown as you know ruthless pirates and and you know very deceptive mm-hmm. and everything. Uh, Discovery, we've seen them. Discovery, we've seen them too. Yes, um, and then we get. Tendy and Tendy is just like the sweetest, most lovable, you know, like just the complete opposite, right? Yeah. Um, and so I was kind of wondering if they were maybe gonna kind of do like a rewrite thing or if they were gonna try to explain that she grew up on Earth or something like that. But I like this way better where they actually just say, Oh no, like, you know, some Orions have decided not to be pirates and to pursue other interests and you know, Tendi is just one of those people. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was excellent. I think this is another way of Star Trek addressing the idea of species being monocultures. Right. And like all Klingons are warring and, 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 and fighters and all that kind of stuff. But we get the spiritual side of Klingons and discovery with the monks, you know, and, uh, you know, I think this is another way of them addressing that not all of one species are all exactly the same. They don't all act the same. You know, we've got Nog and Rom who are very different than our typical Ferengis. Right. I do love those. She says that, uh, and you know, we haven't been pirating for, 
you know, five years. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not like they went completely yeah. off, but it's, it, yeah, I, I think yeah. you're probably right. Cause that, that has always been one of the things that was a joke about Star Trek, right? Is that, you yeah. know, every time you show up to a planet, the whole planet is an earth stereotype. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's like, they're saying, Oh, come on. We're not all like that. But yeah, a lot of us are actually really like that. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. No, it's uh it's an excellent point. Is there anything else that is in this one that we missed? Just cause I feel like there's a lot here to unpack. It was a good comment, Stuart. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Actually, a lot of people really love Rutherford. Um, yeah. And to me, I kind of feel like Boimler and Mariner are the main, main characters ish. Um, sure. I mean, I think that they are probably billed as kind of being like equal, but I think that it's safe to say Mariner's really the star of the show. Typically, I think um, so. But uh, yeah, lots of love for Rutherford, lots of love for Tendi, uh, and we haven't really heard a lot about Boimler at all in this episode, actually. No, not really. Oh, they just made fun of him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So let's uh, yeah let's move on to I guess the. Uh, the kind of questions and concerns section. Yeah, uh, we have one that's kind of a little bit of a concern in a comment, but not really a big deal. Okay, so this comes from Rebecca Skipper from Twitter. I loved this episode. All the callbacks were great. I do not like how Boimler was betrayed as being a jerk. The four ensigns may have grown from this experience, though. I hope Freeman never sees the program. Hope <laughs> the crew learns that nothing is ever private, not even a personal log. I do not like how the central crisis of the series might be Boimler learning about Mariner's secret. Uh, this is from the trailer reveal. Uh, so there, that's the first Boimler thing that we've gotten. Um, and I didn't even think of this, actually. Um, did you find that Boimler was being a jerk in this, or do you think that he was kind of doing his normal brown noser thing? I think he was doing his normal brown noser thing. He didn't seem to be a jerk to me. Yeah, I... It just seemed pretty standard Boimler. Right, like he's a little bit neurotic, he's a little yeah. bit anxious, he's a little bit, uh, you know, like overkill, but I didn't... He's eager. Yeah, I didn't see him as being a jerk, Um, and I think that one of the things that is really nice about this show versus the other shows that we've seen is that almost all the stuff that they do, we've already kind of discussed or seen in other episodes so like the idea that you'd make a holodeck program with like the uh you know bridge officers and people who live on the ship like they did that in the next generation so we've right. already kind of done the whole you know morality of, of of copying somebody's uh personality and putting it into a ship so it's kind of like we can just have fun with it rather right. than really dig into the deep uh you know the depths of that kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, the, the interesting kind of tag, and I don't know that this is, I didn't watch, I don't usually watch the trailers for next week. Um, but uh, yeah, what were your thoughts on Boimler learning the big secret? Mariner is actually uh, Freeman's daughter. Well, it was something that we learned a long time ago and only we learned it. Right. And I, I don't, I mean, I don't know that if it's, that it's the central crisis of the series. Although Rebecca, I can see how it, seems that way because it was Boimler was very dramatic about it when he found out right and when he was talking to Freeman so yeah it's going to be a big part of the finale I believe but I like it I think it's cute I think it's something that can I think that it's I think it's just going to stay with him at the end of the season probably. yeah I can see that 
for sure. And I don't I think, think he's going to get it. I don't think it's going to get out. Yeah, and I think that it's one of the, you know, you've got 10 episodes and they're only 20 minutes. So to tell this little arc about, you know, and I think Mariner kind of comes to some realizations in this episode as well. So, I mean, despite the fact that it's goofy, there's still that Trek message, you know, when she's kind of literally fighting with herself and and kind of coming to grasp with why she is the way that she is. That was um, great. Yeah, and I think maybe that will maybe play out in the last episode as well. Like maybe she will become a better officer or maybe she will kind of change her stripes slightly. Uh, but but I think that that's probably more the arc just because throughout yeah. the season we've seen these continuous things where she tries to do good or she does something that she thinks is right but then she almost like sabotages herself because she doesn't really want to go up the rank she doesn't really want to you know climb the corporate ladder she wants to just kind of stay where her friends are and stuff so i think that will probably be the arc that we end up saying is the season and it was a very star trek way to deal with that type of internal conflict too Mm-hmm, you know, definitely. I really loved that. She's working it out with her holographic self. And it was also very Jungian, like her subconscious, mm-hmm. her unconscious was becoming conscious. And it was actually her that was that was talking, the actual Mariner that was having the realizations as she was talking to the holographic character, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, that's true. Actually, it was kind of like a, a reverse of what you, you'd maybe expect. I don't know that any like psychologist or psychotherapist would actually recommend this as a treatment. Go into a holodeck and just fight yourself for 30 minutes. But as a piece <laughs> of science fiction, I think that it works wonderful. I like it. But Rebecca, for me, the central crisis is what happened to the little ball of light that went into Carol Freeman at the beginning of the series. What is that? Where is it? What happened? That is, yeah, that's a mystery. It is, and and it makes you wonder, like, how many people have just forgotten that little, like, these little pieces all the way through. Like, are they going to, you know, have some reveal that maybe we wouldn't even have expected? It'll these be... are Trek fans. They they forget nothing. <laughs> we forget True. nothing. We remember every little detail and want it to be something. We want our answers. <laughs> True. Yeah, and and God forbid that they forget some little piece because then it is always have to go back and retcon it in, right? Oh, yeah. They'll write a novel about that one moment. No, definitely. Um, Yeah. Okay, well, we have a couple short last words, so let's move on to those. Okay, yes. The uh, first one is from Suzanne Williamson. Billups crying upon seeing this Cerritos during the flyby was everything. Perfect homage slash poke fun at the motion picture. Also, never discount Da Vinci. There was a reason Janeway was always hanging out with him. Leonardo FTW. Tana's one-liner is gold, as always. I love that pussycat. <laughs> more love for, yeah, more love for uh, Tana, which, you know, I I didn't really look through these before we we started. But, yeah, I am I am surprised. Like, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting, the characters that people kind of gravitate towards. Because I bet you, you know, back when they released the... The, you know, release the stills of the characters and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I don't know that the grumpy doctor would have been the one that I would like, but then again, really pe- people love cats. So maybe, I, maybe I should have guessed it. I was so intrigued to know more about the doctor. Yeah. See, and like, to me, it was like, I don't know. I, for whatever reason, I, I was kind of always just really honing in on the four main characters and the, the bridge crew I was like, eh, whatever. They'll be like on in the background, but 
Yeah, they, they've definitely done a lot of good work here to kind of hook people in. And uh, yeah, I think, again, I, I got to just say that with Tana, it's like less is more. She just comes in with a couple of zingers and people are like, I want more. I want more. And that's the exact way to play it, right? Where yeah. you don't give away, you know, don't sell the farm on, you know, one episode. Like just let people opine for more. I'm still holding out for a Tana short trek. I want to yeah. see. I want to see kitty, kitty cat Tana, kitten Tana. It's yeah. That's actually interesting. You mentioned short treks because I kind of feel like short treks have just kind of been like put on the back burner for a little bit. Like we had the one for Picard leading into the Picard series, but that feels like it was forever ago, and I, I haven't really heard much about it. Like all this COVID stuff, I'm sure that uh, they probably had to like slow down production and things, but like I know discovery is back filming and I know that, you know, they're still working on the next season and everything. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if we will get like a lower decks short track. Oh, I don't know. That could be really good. I think that we, I think that during the pandemic and quarantine is a really good time to film short tracks because it requires less crew. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I would love uh, short treks about Lower Deck because, yeah. I mean, that one you can do, like, I'm sure that they could, you know, do it even more separated because it would probably be animated. Or do you think they should try to do, like, a live action Ooh. short trek on the Lower Deck's characters? I hadn't thought about that, but that that could be cool. Yeah, that could be that's... really interesting. Yeah, that'd be, like, meta upon meta upon meta. I'd be fine with it. Yeah, I yeah. I don't know. I feel like the lower decks, or not lower decks, sorry, but the short treks, um, is, is probably one of the best ideas that they've had in a yeah. long, long time. And yeah, it's really too bad that we haven't had like consistent, you know, episodes come out. It's been kind of a bit chunky and blocky, but I'm hoping that once everything kind of gets sorted out here, we're getting them like pretty consistent in between the seasons would be really nice. Yeah, they've said that there are more coming. So okay, good, good. I don't know what they are. And for our final comment, we have Dr. Nicholas Paul Collinson. And now the shipping forecast. Tenderford fading toward Rutherups. The ransom violently disintegrating. I hope my accent was okay. I hope that it reflected the BBC shipping forecast situation, Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's the end of our comments for the week. Andrew, what'd you think of everybody's thoughts? excellent you know what the thing that i absolutely love about lower decks is that amongst the fandom it seems like we everybody's on the same page you know i think that with picard with discovery you get the naysayers and you get the people that want to pick apart the canon pieces and and sometimes it can feel like a little bit negative when you go through like the twitter comments and youtube comments and things like that but one thing i would say about the the lower decks fans or the people that are commenting anyway, is that it's like, it's very positive. Everybody's got great things to say. And even when there is, you know, maybe some little thing, it's, it's not like the end of the world. It's, it's not like this, these long diatrobes where they're raging on, uh, some little intricacy because, you know, there was an original series episode where they said this, but then, you know, discovery did it that way. Like I really kind of get exhausted of that. I know. Well, wait till Discovery Season 3 starts. I'm sure that they'll be back. 
I I'm mean, sure. I don't yeah. mean the commenters on this show because everyone's really great <laughs> on this right. show, but you know they're they're out there. Those those haters. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I think that one of the things with the the negativity is that it's like it almost like it sells better or something like there's a lot of youtube channels and stuff where you know they go on and rage about it for 25 30 minutes just because oh, it, it gets uh it gets the, like the uptokes and things but i just have no interest in being around those conversations no exactly <laughs> i mean if there's something that's really egregious then it's worth mentioning and talking about discussing and things but yeah um yeah and I would... like you know watching with a critical eye is one thing i i do that i have issues with some things in discovery and i love discovery every every series i've got little issues with stuff but i'm i'm not a producer or a creator of star trek so right you know i love it i love everything that comes out that is star trek doesn't matter what it is i, right. I and that does that mean that i'm a blind follower and can't see little issues no of course not you know but yeah. but i'm not gonna hate on anything especially on artists that are doing their thing right and i i think that with lower decks though it's almost like even if there was something people give it a pass because it's animated because it's animated it's for fun it's played for jokes so even if there was something that people maybe didn't like it's almost like they are they're willing to let things go a little bit easier hmm. than the live action shows i think that maybe the live action shows are kind of left as you know gospel whereas this is everybody kind of gets that they're everybody's in on the joke and because it's like such a love letter to Star Trek fans, it's kind of hard to really say anything bad about it because right. it's like this is you're literally watching your childhood or your teens or your 20s. Whenever you got into Star Trek, this is for you. Yeah. And so it's uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy kind of going through and reading the comments and stuff because um, I think people have a de they definitely have a different opinion from me. Um, I, I mean, I think Rutherford is great and I love Rutherford, but I wouldn't say that he's my favorite character. Oh, I really like him. And I would say the same thing with, you know, like Tana, I think is great. Her couple lines are funny, but like, I, I'm, I, I'm kind of like more like the Mariner fan. Like I'm more the Boimler fan. Like I think that, uh, those are kind of the, the people that I like. I also like, um, the Bajor the angry Bajoran oh, uh, security officer Shaq's like, um, but that's the great thing about this show, right? Is that everybody kind of gravitates towards the character that they like the most that yeah they... i'm on a different side i really like Mer i like freeman and i love ransom i love freeman i love ransom and rutherford and tana i love them so i'm like on the other side of the coin from you it'd be really interesting actually and it, it's really a shame that i feel like the star trek like merchandising is just not like what it was when we were kids but i would love to see if they ever made like a Star Trek Lower Decks action figure. Yeah. Line, I mean, I'm sure that I'd run out and buy all of them. But I mean, eventually you would be able to get like the statistics and see like how many Tendi figures did they sell? How many right. Boimler figures did they sell? Like, uh, I, I, I like when I was a kid, they had the Playmates line. Right. With Right. Um, yeah. I, I just got a couple last week. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can still find them. And like, I still love that line and stuff. But I think that. Like, I could really go for, like, a Discovery, like, Playmates-era yes. line and, like, a Lower Decks line. What is the name of the brand that did, started doing all of the really detailed ones? They were for Enterprise and... Yeah, so that was, like, what, Diamond Select, I think, did them. I can't and remember. they were, like, beautiful, but yes. the problem was, was that I think they only did maybe one series, and then there was another series where they were wearing, like, the hazmat, like, environmental suits. Mm. Um 
And I feel like they even like some of the characters maybe didn't get figures as well. Uh, whereas the Playmates one, because they're made so many, remember there yeah. was like... And the less expensive to make. Like those are right. much less detailed. The Dixon Hill Picard mm-hmm. and the, you know, Guinan with purple hat, you know, like they, they did a lot of figures and I would just love them to go back to doing that. And I think that it's important to, you know, get little kids playing with Star Trek figures again. And I mean, I don't know that Lower Decks is really per, for kids per se, Um but I mean, let's be honest. Most people collecting action figures are adults now, anyway. Right. Oh yeah. I I used to go into Kmart and any store, Toys R Us, if I knew that they because they they carried those in all the stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I used to go in all the store. I'd always go to the section and see if there were any figures that I didn't have or any ones that I wanted. Now it's like you go to the comic book store and you buy like a you know, a loose Odo and it's $15 or something. Well, I found at Wade's Comic Madness in Pennsylvania, um, a Telosian Keeper from the cage and the mutated Tom Paris from Threshold. (laughs) I had to get those two. They were great. Like mint on card or loose? Uh, In, in, in the, in the container. In the package. Oh, wow. I took them out and I'm just kidding. I did not, of course. (laughs) <laughs> no, I was going to say, they're in a piece of like plastic thing hung up somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I think that uh, everything that I've read, though, is that uh, you guys down there stateside get like the way better flea markets and like the way better comic book shops and things like that. In Canada side, it's really tough to find Star Trek action figures. Like you might be able to find the odd one here or there, but to go into like a flea market or go into some spot and see like a huge assortment of stuff is is pretty unlikely and a lot of the comic book ships here they'll drive down to like pennsylvania Uh, drive down to michigan someplace where it's close and they'll buy up a whole bunch of stuff bring it back and then sell it here at a profit yeah 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 i only paid like 7.99 and 9.99 for those two and i have to also mention that i went to go see britney tomes who is who is a co-host on one of my episodes for open channel and is also a co-host on A Strange New Pod, which is her Star Trek podcast that she does with her friends down there in Pennsylvania. So I drove down there to go and see her and, of course, buy some Star Trek stuff. Cool. Yeah. I, I have to admit that uh, I have not been bu- I don't have a ton of Star Trek merchandise, but uh, I would, yeah, if, if I had one hope, one dream, if, if anybody from like the marketing department is listening to this now, please lower deck discovery and you know what throw in picard as well we want new action figures uh i mean the ships are great the shirts are great and everything but oh the action figures i I just would love it do you not collect the fan sets pins uh you know what so that was going to be my kind of uh you know next addiction net well and it was going to be kind of like after i accepted the fact they weren't going to make the figures that was going to be like the consolation prize oh, okay um because i feel like yeah with the pins and i i follow somebody on instagram i can't remember their account otherwise i'd give them the plug but they they had like all the ones that were released they had kind of like this big cork board on a wall and they had all the ones that were released with the pins and they ju- had just putting up the lower decks uh characters and i was mm. like oh that's pretty cool <laughs> i could really maybe go for that myself yeah but I- i'm i would prefer like the 3d like playmates that would be my like ultimate goal but the pins uh, i'm getting close to i'm getting close to caving like I- it's like one of those things where i put it in the cart and then 
I leave it there and I get like four emails like, do you still want this? Right. Would you like to buy these? And once you buy one, it's oh, like that. So once you scratch it a little yeah. bit. Yeah, it's over. <laughs> yeah. Action, action figures, pins, stamps, coins. It's like once you, yeah, once you get that, it's like getting poison ivy. You just got the itch. Yeah. You just can't stop scratching it. Mm-hmm. Well, Andrew, it's, it was so great to meet you today and thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Anytime I would, uh, yeah, uh, if you are ever stuck for a co-host again, I would love to come back. I'm super jazzed. Discovery Season 3, we'll sign you up. Discovery Season 3, I, I am one of these people. I think that, you know, when everything is all said and done, I think that Discovery Season 3 is going to be the year everybody looks back and says that was like when it went to Warp 10. Okay. Like, I like Discovery. Don't get me wrong. I, I I think it's good. I like it. I watch it. But I have a feeling, and I got reasons for it. But I think that season three is going to be the one where everybody just goes like, "Wow!" Like TNG era. Wait, you have reasons for it? Do you know things that we don't know? Um. Oh my God. I, well, I know a couple of things, and I just feel like, uh, yeah. Like, because they film it here, right? So, right. actually, I know some people who, like, are, they, like, work down there and stuff. And so, uh, I can't, I'm, not, I'm not at liberty to say anything. Oh, my but God. Just, you can't come on my show and do this to <laughs> I us. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I just, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I can't say much, but, like, I, I know, um, I know somebody who works down there and, like, is, like, building the sets and stuff. And he was, like, telling me some, some things about how, you know, because now it's in the future. So, right. like. They got to change the, all the stuff to be more like futuristic and stuff. So like he was telling me about it and I was like, you know what? Th- and this is like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. Like, I think that uh, for me anyway, I always wanted it to be that anyway. Like I kind of thought that a, a Star Trek a series in the future, like way in the future would have right. been really cool. Yeah. And so, you know, when there was talk that they were going to do that for Discovery and then when I think Kurtzman came out and literally said like, oh yeah, they're going and they're not coming back. I was like, yes, let's cool. do it. Like, yeah. I like the cat. I like the cast. I like the crew. Oh, yeah. I like the ship. The only thing I never really liked about discovery was it always felt like hamstrung by being part of like the original series era kind of stuff. But like now that's all gone. We just have like the good crew, the good cast, the good ship. They're like in the future. And it's like, let's go, you know, warp me <laughs> warp 10. All right. Well, Andrew, tell our listeners where they can find you on the socials. Yeah, so it's Random Trek Review. You can obviously find us over at Holosuite Media, but you can see us at, uh, on Twitter at Random Trek Review, on Instagram at Rando Trek Review, and you could just contact us at randomtrekreview at gmail.com. Uh, make sure you uh, drop us a line, or at the very least, come over and uh, give us a listen. I think that you're going to enjoy it. All right. Thanks again. We'll see you. For discovery. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. You can join the Open Channel conversation on Twitter and Facebook by following us at Open Channel Trek and by joining our listeners group on Facebook by typing the Nexus into the search field. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at CD Littlefield. Keep an eye out for my Open Channel conversation threads on Facebook and Twitter, which I will post every Thursday right before each new Star Trek episode drops. Thanks for listening to Open Channel. Channel Open, standing by. Justice for Shampoo! This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program for...
The Expanse, a Star Trek Enterprise podcast. When you look at it now, you're like, oh, there is some stuff in there that it's not been handled delicately, I think. But I I think at the time, they they handled it as delicately as they knew how to. Exactly. You are spot on with that. It's not that, you know, throughout, throughout all time, it was not delicately handled. It's just at that time, with their understanding, they did the best they could. They had the best intentions with it. Kind of like Trip. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't And I don't even think, if anyone watched it now and got offended by it, I don't think ever the intention was for that. I'd like to think anyone could look at it right. and think, well, actually, let's applaud the show for doing this story when they were, when no one else was doing these yeah. kind of stories. Loading Sweet preview program for There Are Four Questions, a Star Trek Spotlight podcast. I feel like they're starting to open it up to a lot of people. And I think that we need, uh, like, young people, we're, we're, the, we're the future. Like, you're the future. You, you can dictate how you want to change the world. And if you feel like you want to be whatever you want to be, don't ever let anybody tell you that you can't. Because you can do whatever you want. You know, and I, I tell people that all the time. I'm like, don't give up. Because you never know what you can do until you do it. Loading Sweet preview program for Ladies Trek Library, women with a passion for Star Trek books. One of the reasons I was excited to read this book was because it's called Uhura's Song. And we don't get a lot of books where Uhura is a main character. Um, and she was my favorite character from the original series. So I was excited to see a book about her. And I, and I like how, and I was thinking about the, uh, the Broadway play Cats because they kind of used cat names that that reminded me of the names in this book so and and this book was written in 85 so it could have been inspired by cats in that way computer deactivate hollow suite